Good morning. Hi out there, everyone, and happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday, as some would say, although it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. ICYMI, which is, in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Business. I've been engaged with SMBs in various capacities for over 20 years, and I'm in great company on Fridays here at talkradio.myc. We got Tommy D on Philanthropy and Focus. We got Jeremiah Fox on the Entrepreneurial Web. We got Joe McElroy on Wise Content Creates Wealth. Great lineup. Over the last two decades, I've noticed that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs happens on Friday when we feel the freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're all so anxious to start the weekend that we forget these crucial pearls of wisdom and we overlook them in favor of our fun weekend activities and freedom from work. Here on Always Friday, we like to take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity so we can discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders and their trusted advisors. Coincidentally, my last name means free in German. Nice fun fact for everybody. There is deeper meaning here, not just plays on words, though I love a good play on words. We got weekend freedom. We got shades on. Let's do this thing. First things first, uh, it's President's Weekend. I'd like to wish Mr. Abraham Lincoln a very happy birthday. I uh, hope everyone is also excited for a nice uh, heartwarming Valentine's Day. Looking forward to getting out of town for a night with my lovely wife. We can actually make that happen. Uh, today's topic of discussion, talent is a terrible thing to waste. Successful onboarding, training, and continued growth of employees requires engagement from both the employee and the employer. When SMB ex- SMBs experience turnover and potential talent is wasted, it can be hard heartbreaking for the business and the employee. These capable employees, they feel unsuccessful. They're frustrated. Employers feel like they've wasted time in addition to their money. More often than not, this is because both of the parties, they didn't know how to bring out the best in themselves. So why not lean on someone whose mission is to bring out the best experience in hands-on learning for all parties involved. Our special guest today is a certified virtual presenter with eSpeakers and also a learning and development consultant with her own organization, Susan Fitzell and Associates. While we're on talkradio.nyc, we don't want this to just be talk. The goal here is to use the insight on the SMB landscape and use it to create impact come Monday morning. Far too often these days, the SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve all their problems, the shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, the magic bullet. In my travels, products change every single day in every facet of our lives, both personal and business. You got to be surrounded by the right people first. Keep a nice tight process that's going to help you achieve your goals. As long as you do this, I believe the right products, they will present themselves when you need them. Everything begins and ends with the people. So Without further ado, surrounding ourselves with the wonderful people we do here today, our special guest is Susan Fitzell. For over 30 years, international speaker, author, coach, Susan Fitzell has worked closely with educators, students, high-performing employees of small businesses to discover their personal learning preferences so they learn fast and achieve more. She zeroes in on what motivates employees so they can get their job done and break through self-imposed limitations. She inspires, she motivates these audiences with her practical, productive, and efficient learning strategies, as well as her positive, uplifting approach. Her philosophy is can't is a four-letter word. Believe you can and do great things by using your talents and your strengths. She's also a black belt in kickboxing and a student of Kung Fu, so don't mess with her. Her family prides themselves in being geeks, and her two children have both earned degrees in mechanical engineering using the strategies that she shares with her clients. Susan talks from a place of real understanding about learning. Imagine having a corporation where each individual knows exactly how they can learn and best learn for themselves. We'd have a self-learning organization. Great. Like a self-driving car. 
Susan shares her message through stories that will make you laugh and some that will challenge you. She's very entertaining while you're being blown away by a whole new concept of, of the learning individual. Her words for 2021 are maximize talent. Perfect. Fits the theme of the day. Susan's the ideal person to discuss it with us. We're going to hit my favorite three questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? And what is your favorite musical instrument and the artist who plays it? You guys should have some fun with that later on in the show. But uh, in the meantime, we sit out by the fire pit. It's freezing and full of three feet of snow at the moment. But uh, just some thoughts from here. You know, my father's a retired teacher for 35 years. My mother-in-law is retiring this year. She's been teaching 30 years. I personally never wanted to be a teacher. But nowadays, like there's some type of, I like learning something new every day. I'm just one of those types of people. but it, there's always some type of education every, every day for, on either side of the table. And a lot of that for me, especially the last handful of years has revolved around, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You know, words don't mean anything unless you can leave a lasting impact with somebody. And I know we're going to make that happen today. We got some great references from the home libraries. These are two, I'm going to talk about two today, actually. And one of them is a book that Susan told me about. And the other one is a book that my friend Sam Couchy from One Huddle, Gamification Platform, my two words this year are differentiation and gamification, uh, has some, some good uh, segue into our show today. So Susan's reading a book called The Expertise Economy, How the Smartest Companies Companies use learning to engage, compete, and succeed, written by Kelly Palmer and David Blake. She uh, singled out a couple of quotes from here that I thought were phenomenal for what we're talking about today. So it says, today, the vital skill set for success includes learning agility, the ability to learn new things quickly, collaboration and teamwork, perseverance, curiosity, and the ability to question the world around you. I've always been a George Carlin fan, so always question everything. Find curated content from an expert or a peer who already knows much more about this technology than you do. Instantly, you have content from a reliable source that is relevant to what you need to learn. And with social curation, you can not only consume this content, you can add your own, rate it, or recommend. Traditionally, CEOs have focused on an inordinate amount of time on profit and loss. I'll attest to that for sure. Uh, increasingly, though, they're focusing on talent and education, realizing the impact on their company's overall business strategy. And there's a whole lot to that discussion. But, you know, again, going back to the it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Got to make sure that they're actually digesting the information. So what companies can do, managers can work with their employees to make sure that they stay hungry and engaged by really encouraging them to grow, learn, and transform careers. You know, once you hire them, you have to help the employees stay hungry. Otherwise, you know, this, it's, it's kind of like, you know, thinking of training somebody so that they're good enough to leave, but treating them so that they never want to leave. That's a very important concept. And I see Susan shaking her head because how do you not get behind something like that? That's a great thought. So one of the things that Susan wrote down for me, what struck her the most from, from this story in this book is in August 2017, Janice Burns, the MasterCard's chief learning officer, conducted an impact study involving around 1,000 MasterCard employees to gather data for analysis at the company level. Well, the data indicated that active users of MasterCard's new learning platform were more likely to say they were more productive, 54% more productive in their job or role, uh, and invested more in their, in their growing careers, that, uh, 46%, than non-users non of the new system. She was also able to tell that 
active users were 33 more more thirty that yeah, let me say that again 33 percent more likely to st- say they're engaged to stay engaged at work than non-users and 80 percent more likely to be more collaborative and some of these numbers susan highlighted in her thoughts were why are they so low what can we do to improve engagement in learning and resulting implementation so this is you know the data was also referencing active users so who was not using the platform and why were they not using it you know perhaps they weren't necessarily being mandated to use it which nobody likes necessarily being mandated to do anything so that's why i get so big on the concept of gamification and i know susan and i've had some conversations about it as well it's one option under this learning umbrella where you really can engage people people like to have fun i'm one of those if i'm not having fun i'm not making money People like to play games. If you can put things into the guise of a game, you're more likely to get some attachment. So my friend Sam, the CEO of One One Huddle, uh, told me about a book called Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation by Dan Schwabel. And I thought that this was a nice uh, segue into the discussion as well. So it said here, you know, th- thoughts from Sam and some thoughts from the book. For the first time in human history, we are living through an era of electronic and virtual communication that is undoubtedly useful and vital, but also contributes to a stronger sense of isolation at work than ever before. So how do we go about creating a socially connected workforce in a time when most workplaces are planning to stay permanently remote or adopt a hybrid working model for the foreseeable future? How do we create deep human connection when being physically together isn't a possibility for most workers around the world? Especially now, at a time when workplace leaders in every industry have had to adapt and pivot their entire organizational structure at unprecedented speeds. Some highlights from the book, more than 75% of full-time workers are, act- are either actively looking for a job or they are open to new opportunities. Number two, technology has created an illusion that today's workers are highly connected to one another, when in reality, most feel increasingly isolated from their colleagues. I'll attest to that because I very often feel that the more ways we have to communicate, the less we communicate. Uh, Number three, about half of Americans are so addicted to their devices that they'd rather break a bone than break their phone. I, uh, I definitely see that happening for sure. Uh, Some other things, three keys to improving the employee experience, invest in training and development, hint, hint, Uh, improve employees' workspaces, uh, but also give employees more recognition and positive feedback. Yeah, I said when we asked managers and human resources executives how they preserve and strengthen their workplace culture, over two thirds said through training and development programs. So that's that's a meaningful statistic there. So a successful onboarding program can increase retention by 25% and improve performance by more than 10%. Uh, consulting firms like Deloitte found that only 22% of companies were excellent at building a differentiated employee experience differentiation. There you go. Uh, The average American spends five hours on their electronic devices and touches their phone over 2,600 times a day. That's a ridiculous number. For comparison, people spend an an average of 18 minutes per day on their computers and other electronic devices before smartphones existed. That's staggering. We are spending almost 33% of our personal and professional time on Facebook. In addition to Facebook, we spend about 6.3 hours a day checking email, and we send more than 30 text messages a day. Uh, There was a gentleman, Jeff Colvin, referenced in here. We're we're hardwired by 
100,000 years of evolution to value deep human interaction with other humans and not with computers. Spending two hours a day on social media doubles your risk of social isolation. So with that thought, I have this cartoon for those of you watching out there that shows somebody looks like they're at a networking event basically saying, oh, I must dash. I'm going to go home and play with my social networking websites. That's basically the world that we're living in now. So deep human connection is important. Hands-on learning and development is important. We'll take a short commercial break. We're going to be right back with Susan Fitzell, founder of Susan Fitzell and Associates, learning and development consultant and kick-ass certified virtual presenter. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're going to be talking with Susan Fitzell, founder of Susan Fitzell and Associates, learning and development consultant, certified virtual presenter. We're going to kick things off with the method behind Susan's madness. So what do you do? How do you do it? How do you go to market for it? And just a quick thought here, Susan. I love the concept of differentiation by being an awesome virtual presenter, especially nowadays. It's, it, it's the main way that business is being done, and it's still not likely to go away, even if everybody's vaccinated and COVID is a thing of the past. So love it. Talk to us. Method behind your madness. Method behind my madness. Okay. Well, partly the reason um, that that I, I'm passionate about what I'm going to talk about today is um, I help companies to retain top performers. I want to help them maximize their in-house talent. I heard in one of your previous uh your previous podcasts, is it Diane? Um Ram, how do you say her name? Uh Darlene. Darlene, there you go. Um, I actually need some memory strategies myself. I frequently use them, but she said like 60% of people, employees leave companies when the onboarding isn't successful or there's no onboarding. So why isn't it successful? I, I, I have thoughts about that. I believe that a lot of times it's because employees may not know how to retain information. And then the other thing that happens is Top performers after a certain amount of time are looking for another job in most companies. And that's often because there's, there isn't any growth opportunities or the, the platforms or the trainers that are coming in and providing that, um, training is not something that motivates them, excites them, or they, they figure also, uh, I, I don't really, I don't like that format. I don't want to learn from a webinar. I don't know how to do, you know, it, it, it doesn't grab them, which is where your gamification for many of these people will work really, really well. Um, so, so my, my thing is to go in and help companies bridge what I call the learning gap. And that is you've got your platform, your training opportunities, hopefully you have them. And then you have the people. And even though you might be providing information in text, video, and audio, some people need to know, well, what do I do with that information? And what if the way it's being presented is boring and or, or doesn't work for me? How do I learn it? I think the learner needs to know how to learn. And a lot, as, as we talked about, Steve, a lot of people get out of school believing that they they're just gr glad to be done because they don't learn well. And... Um, you know, there's really just a small percentage of people that get out of school saying, oh, yeah, I love school. I want to go right back. They don't. And why not? Because school was hard or torturous for some. And so what do you do now when when you've got to be an employee and your boss says, hey, you get to learn, you know, it's mandatory or you have to take this training program or you have to keep up with regulations. Many of them react with fear and resistance um, because they, they don't they're not confident learners. I, I agree completely with you. And I think this is a classic example of a shared employee employer responsibility where mm -hmm. it, it is all about the people first. It's mm -hmm. the basic of basic storytelling is what connects people. So when an employer tries to automate onboarding, when an employee gets thrown into a situation that they've never been in before and they're forced to learn or afraid if they don't learn, they're losing their job. I, Sometimes I, there's job dependent tests for God's sake. Yeah. Well, I actually have a colleague who was working for a major corporation and a very successful salesperson. And he um, he started to struggle when they started to automate all the training. 
Exactly that. And then in order for him to be an expert on the products he was selling, they had to take a test. And he was severely dyslexic. And he had only discovered that was his problem because his daughter was diagnosed. And so when his daughter was diagnosed, he thought, oh my goodness, that's me. Which by the way, that happened to me too. <laughs> it was having my son you know, diagnosed that made me realize, ooh, I have some learning differences also. So he, he, he really struggled with the test. So here's a, a person who's been a successful salesperson for your company, bringing in the revenue. And what happens? can't he can't sell the product because he can't pay, pass up a computerized multiple choice test which as an educator i know that just measures a small limited amount of what you know and for some people those are very tricky i mean i've never been good at multiple choice tests however give me an essay test or you ask me what i know i can talk forever and write forever so you know there's limitations to those tests yeah, no, and it's it, you bring up some some phenomenal points, and it, you know, again, like the employee and the employer sharing the responsibility. You know, it's it, it, there's there's equal responsibility there, mm -hmm. and it, a lot of it revolves around the it's not what you say, it's how you both say it, so that you get the maximum impact. A lot of this also reminds me a couple of shows ago, I interviewed uh, my buddy John, who works in the narrative analytics space. You know, and I hear so much about analytics these days, and you know, especially with my marketing folks, like demand and lead generation and things like that, and it's just narrative means story versus metrics, which means data. It's like, so it's all about good data, but it has to start with the story. So, you know, what is the story with, with, with some of these places? Like, you know, you, I, I know we're, you know, we'll get into some spe specific observational stories in our next segment, but, you know, this is something that I get, I get hopped up about too, because, you know, for, for decades now in this industry, there's, there's been some cool advancements in learning management systems and things like that. But in some cases, a lot of it is, you know, the, the same idea just with snappier, flashier, you know, th you know, ways of viewing them with the technology and maybe keeping a little bit of an audit trail. But, you know, what about engagement? Like, what do you guys, you know, what do you do? What do you see about it as far as engagement goes? Like, how do you get people to latch on? And and that's where, like you said, leadership also has to be on board with that. Um, if you just throw a learning management system at someone, say, okay, go to XYZ. I, I don't want to name any of them, but there's they, they all have their benefits their benefits. Um, if, if people, let's say, watch a webinar, like I do, right? I might watch a webinar to learn. Um, if I don't know, if I just watch it, get it done with, or in some cases, click, click, click to get it, you know, while I'm doing other things and checking my mail, I'm not going to remember a single thing. So part of it is personal responsibility on the part of the employee. But what hinders that often is that the employee doesn't really realize what they're supposed to do with that information. And I, I, I will look at I will work with, I will coach, I coach. Sometimes I'll train a whole audience, like I'll train a whole group in a company. But then often it, it's followed up by coaching individuals who want that support. And I figure out with them, what's your preferred way of learning? What's going to work best for you? And I have this massive toolkit kit of strategies. And for some of them, it means, okay, you only watch 10 minutes at a time and then go do something else. You know, then maybe you've, you're, you're a person who needs to talk your process. So go talk to somebody about what you just learned. Um, or even if you have to just talk it in a, in, in a tape recorder, which is sometimes what I do. So, or, or maybe you're a person that, oh my gosh, I'm overstimulated by what I just, you know, watched. It's too much information for me. 
Now maybe I need to turn it off for a few minutes and reflect. So we're talking about teaching the learner how they can then take the information they gleaned from the training and actually make it work for them. How do they retain it? How do they implement it? And how do they keep it exciting for themselves? And so, and for everybody is different. Yes, there's some common ways people learn, but everybody is a little bit different in what's going to work for them. And that's, and, and, you know, I'm not even talking about learning styles because we know that's a big controversial topic right now, but we all have a preferred way of doing things, no matter what. <laughs> we have a preferred way of doing just about everything because we're human and we're individuals. And so we also have preferred ways of learning. And I believe in, in educating managers and educating um, employees and participants in the learning situation to know how they learn and to then do the steps to help make sure that information becomes meaningful information that they can implement and be successful with. Yeah, no, it's uh, again, like it's, it's, it means so much to me with the, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's, mm -hmm. I think about continuing education for, you know, various professional licenses that people have and how tired a lot of that industry is. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's, you know, you have this block of five courses that you mandatory need to take every year. It's like sit through, you know, put, set up your computer, maybe have a movie going in the background, like whatever. It's just, it's not effective for anybody trying to accomplish the ultimate goal of continuing education, is it? No, it isn't. And that's what happens a lot of the time. If it's mandatory, especially now that it's remote, how does anybody know what was going on in the background while they were playing the webinar? I mean, how do they know that the, the, the computer sound wasn't on silent while they were off doing something else? Especially if it, even if it's a live training and they've got their picture up instead of their, their video. I mean, there's no way to know. So what you have to do is really make sure that you've got engagement opportunities in the training, whether it's a live virtual training. Like I do a lot of interaction and breakout rooms and even use other apps when I'm training so that I get people using um, their the knowledge that they're learning right then and there to do something with it, you know, and then from there, so that's for live training. But even if it's a webinar, you know, what do you do with that information? I have a tool. I, I actually prefer if it's a webinar and it's not interactive, I have a tool in my computer that makes it go faster. And so it, it sounds like I'm, I'm listening to, you know, what, what are those cartoons where they speak? <laughs> and, but for whatever reason, my husband will come in and he'll say, oh my gosh, how do you understand anything that they're saying? And I'm like, it works for me. If they, if I have to listen to them talk in normal speed, I get bored. So tricks like that, little things like that to teach employees that they can use to keep them engaged. By the way, Steve, you sound really fun when you're at 170% speed. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I <laughs> <laughs> on, that, on that happy note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We talk about me at 170% speed. We'll get right into the madness of Susan's business. You know, observational stories, things we see from the field. But uh, we'll be right back with Always Friday. Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're here with Susan Fitzell, founder uh, of Susan Fitzell and Associates, learning and development consultant, certified virtual presenter. We're going to get into a little bit of the madness in Susan's life. And I want to pick up where we kind of just left off, you know, talking about you know, virtual presenting and trying to do trainings, you know, via videos in this remote world that we live in now, you know, to Susan's point, you know, how do you even know what's going on in the background? So one thing that I've seen, Susan, and you probably have too, is sometimes, you know, folks doing the presentations, they'll have like a poll every couple of minutes or a question that they'll ask every couple of minutes, just to see how many people are responding and all of that. And that's, you know, I, I always see that. And I think that's there just to please somebody up above and make sure that everyone's engaged. It's like, and it's, it's just, it's just numbers. It's it, there's no story behind it, <laughs> but tell us what you see out there. You got to have some fun stories from the field these days, but first you have to come off mute. Cause otherwise nobody can hear you. 
<laughs> That's a good point. Yes. I, I, and I've learned some tricks with that. When you're doing a live training and then you go to a, a breakout room, you're always muted coming back in. I've learned that the hard way. It's always unmute first. So um, I've been I've been involved in as a participant in many of the virtual trainings since last March. And um, I've learned a lot from my colleagues what to do and what not to do. And one of the things that I find first off, and my colleagues have found this too, is is do a breakout room pretty quickly. You know, I, I if I was in an audience, a live audience, I love to start with a story. I tell a story and I engage people that way. I give them that hook, you know, why should they be here? What I have found is in a virtual presentation, I will often give them a, my strategy is give them a caption, a picture and ask them to caption it. And that picture is always strategic. And then they, they, they're in the chat box They're they're answering. And then what I do is I use a, 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 I've got this wheel. I cannot remember what it's called, but you know, it's, it's um, a, a roulette wheel online and I'll play it and I'll have a chat box winner. Well, let me tell you. And then they win downloadable prizes that keeps people going. They're engaged. They're excited. They feel like they're winning something. And what the funniest thing is a lot of times they don't go get the prize. They just like to win. And there's your gamification thing, right? Yes. It's not even about the prize. I realized it's about the win. And so, um, but they love it. And then again, you know, then I can tell the story, then I can hook them in. And the other thing we do is we make sure that they have time to talk to each other. You know, you spoke about human connection in, in the quotes from that, the book, um, from the, from the founder of One Huddle, you know, that human connection, a lot of times they won't have it in, a, in a big, um, uh, tr you know, Zoom training room or WebEx training room. And yet, so if I can, if I'm using a platform that allows breakout rooms, I try to get them into those as often as possible and give them, you know, things to talk about because that then they'll, they'll even people who don't want to put their their camera on, all of a sudden their camera's on because now they're in a smaller room and they get to talk to people and they love that. And that's, I think you've got to learn your audience. You've got to know what your audience likes. So for live audiences, that's, that's great. You, you've got a good presenter. You can do some really cool things. And I also have them doing things on Padlet and there's, I've got colleagues who are doing cahoots and there's all these games and wonderful things you can do. Um, when it's a webinar that's canned, it's an LMS learning management system that the company's brought in, then it's reliant on either the manager to have, um, let's say we might call learning communities. You know, one of the best things to do if you, if your department has to learn certain things, what if you had five minute callbacks or 10 minute max callbacks? So you know that, okay, by Monday, I'd like everybody to be through this unit. And um, on Friday, we're going to have a, a 10 minute callback. I'd like everybody will have a, a standing meeting and it, at your remote camera. And then we're going to have some, some games, you know, we'll do some games and we'll do some call, whatever you want to do. You could still do the same chat box games and have the roulette wheel. Now they're going to be motivated to actually do that web, that, that unit. And the, and the other thing I always tell my clients, no matter who they are, small chunks, please. You know, some of us can watch 40 minutes to two hours, but most of us, our brain can really only digest about 10 minutes of information at a time. Yeah, I love the way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> like, hold that thought. I, I, get, I get blown away these days still at how many people still think it's effective to script almost every word they're going to say on a PowerPoint show, put the PowerPoint show up. And then read every word from the PowerPoint. Oh, yeah. Like, horrible. Like, like, 
I mean, like, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I mean, some people that's young, some people that's old. But I learned how to read a long time ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, gosh. I, I can't believe people are still doing that. It's it's really hard to believe, but it's I you know going back to something that you were saying, you know, it's you know here, here's it's basically like here's your syllabus. We want you to be through this chapter by then. We want you to achieve you know th- complete this one by then. You know, it just it, to me it, it almost instills some of that fear. And it's like yeah. personally, like me as the way that I operate, I don't like making decisions based on fear. To me, it typically takes people, especially small medium sized businesses, into the wrong direction. Right. So, you know, now with something like this, especially when, you know, if it's job dependent or continued education or ongoing training or professional licensing or whatever, it's just all of it is, it always seems like it's made of, uh, out of fear. Like, I'm afraid yeah. I'm not going to pass. I have to study this. I have to memorize everything I can so that I can pass the test. You know, the playing the game side, again, telling stories, playing games, yes. things that connect with us on a human level. That's like, and, and that's why that book that Sam had recommended for me, again, written by Dan Schwebel, Back to Human. It's like, yep. I'm so big on people first. Like, it's such a, it's, it's such an easy concept, but yep. it, people need guidance like that. They need to read a book like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what we sometimes are dealing with are companies that have no choice. Maybe managers have no choice. This is what their corporation or their company, or if it's a small business, well, this is what we can afford, or this is what we have available to us. So then it becomes, again, if you have to do that learning, small chunks, and then make it fun. Like the stand-up meeting could be fun. I would never want to approach that in a way of fear. Um, it has to be fun and has to be small chunks and reasonable amounts of information. And then there's also ways to do micro-learning. There's a lot of micro-learning um, opportunities out there that aren't very expensive. I mean, even free free things if somebody wanted to take the time to put questions and answers in, in a product like Quizlet or, you know, there's other ones out there too. So it's it's figuring out how do I make this learning fun and relevant and relevant to my employees. And for some people, it's, you know what, I don't think that I, that webinar approach or that, you know, the going to the trainer for a full day, listening to somebody go wah, wah, wah for a full day or read the PowerPoint doesn't work for me. Okay, how how we have to learn this. How can we match you up with something that's going to work for you? And for some people, it's um, hands-on learning, a mentor, you know, who who in the company already knows what you need to know? And could you have like a study group with that person or go to that person? Maybe that person will spend some time with you an hour and it doesn't have to be all at once broken up over the course of a week to help you with that learning uh, more of a mentor a guide someone who can teach you hands-on um it reminds me of is this the part where i can t- give an example or is that the next part <laughs> absolutely examples now baby okay so um one of my clients came to me and said i have this this co- this this employee who is amazing executes information, you know, if I give him something to do, he does it, he executes it. He give him a problem, he can solve it, he can take ambiguous information and sort it out and get right to the point. And the people, you know, that he, on his team love him, but part of the job is doing the documentation for the job. And he can't get it done on time. It's like he actually saves time with the work that he does because he's so good at his job, but then he loses everything he gained when he tries to write it up. And, you know, I'm worried I'm going to have to put him on an, she's telling me this, I'm worried I'm going to have to put him on an improvement plan for this. And I'm thinking in my head, an improvement plan, if, if this 
man, and she described more about this employee. This employee clearly struggled with written expression, probably has a learning difference. Some people will say learning disability or learning difference. Maybe it, it seemed to go beyond dyslexia because he also had trouble verbally staying on track. I said, well, what happens if he talks to you about what he did? Oh, well, if he talks to me, you know, he's kind of goes off on tangents, but all we have to do is ask him questions. So now that we know what, how you get the information out of him, what can you do with that? Can you assign him, let's say somebody on his team, why don't you get him to have a buddy and somebody who writes well, but that he can do something also for the buddy. Like maybe pair him up with somebody where he can teach her this or, you know, him this and, and she, she can help him with that. And that's a perfect solution, you know, and why put him on an improvement plan? That's the stuff that, that I want to help with. That's what I help clients with because you don't want to lose an outstanding employee, your top performer in what you hired them for because they're not good at something you didn't even want. That's not what you didn't hire a writer. If you'd hired a technical writer, you'd have hired a technical writer, not an engineer, you know? And I look at that and I say, this is where we need to work with companies to help them really wrap their mind around the bigger picture. And how do I save my employees? Because it's expensive to lose an employee, especially a talented one, really expensive. Yeah, and I, I think more and more, you know, business SMB owners and trusted advisors are starting to realize what the what the true cost is of turnover. And yeah. Now, like, you know, finding, you know, the things are definitely still weird now. Like finding people in the job market if you have opportunities, it's it's different. Again, like you being a certified virtual presenter, I, some people are really comfortable doing this. Some people mm-hmm. are deathly afraid of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, everybody's a public speaker here. Well, it's like, <laughs> public speaker is the number one fear in the world. Number two is death. <laughs> you, know, you got to be conscious of that and the way people learn, the way people communicate, the way people digest stories. And I love what you said about, you know, when you play a game, you know, a lot of times people don't even care about the prize. They just want to win. And I can attest to that working with the sales world, as I very often do, it's a, yeah, like it's just to win the game, just to beat out everybody else. That's something that is of value to them. And that is something that can be married to this world of learning and development, probably better than ever these days. You just have to want to have fun with it instead of it being something you have to check off a list. Do you agree? Right. Yeah. And you just reminded me of a situation from my, my previous life. So the reason that I, I know what I know and I've, I've spent my life learning about how the brain works and how people learn and how to motivate people too. That's another big piece of it. Um, it started way back when I taught high school and I taught high school to kids that had learning disabilities over 20 years ago. And I'll never forget when I was having, we started putting kids that had learning disabilities in the regular, the general classroom. And there was all this fear, including mine, that they would fail. And one of the things I realized a lot of these students and, and these students grow up to be employees, by the way, um, one of, <laughs> these students, um, didn't feel they could learn. Well, why didn't you study? Because never I studied all, all when I was in elementary school and never worked, Mrs. Fitzell. You know, so I came up with these matching card games. I called it, well, I didn't even call it a game. This activity, three card match. And so what did they have to learn? Then a picture that represented it and then maybe the some other cue. And I had them on index cards. They were handmade. And it was so interesting to me when I first started doing it because 
kids who would not study would go into study hall and they'd grab these index cards and go to a partner and say, hey, you're in my class. We got this test Friday. You want to play this game? And they thought, and they would play, they would study for four, they were studying for 45 minutes, but they didn't feel like they were studying because they were playing a game. Exactly. And it was just a matching card game. I mean, you could do that with stuff you have to learn for compliance at work. I mean, really. <laughs> Hold that thought. We got to take a quick break here. We'll be right back with Susan Fitzell, Learning and Development Consultant, Certified Virtual Presenter. Stay with us. Yeah. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. everyone we're here with uh susan fitzell on always friday with me Stephen fry your smb guy susan and i we've been talking about uh, a lot of topics here today the main you know main topic around talent is a terrible thing to waste uh as it comes to learning and development and onboarding and really you know connecting with employees it's it's something that that really needs to happen these days and it needs to be something that is a joint effort on both sides of the coin more than ever before, especially with the conditions that we're dealing with. By the way, if you folks out there love talking about small, medium-sized business and entrepreneurial ventures, stay with talkradio.myc for the 12 o'clock show. We got Jeremiah Fox and the entrepreneurial web coming up shortly. But to take it home here with Susan, you know, we're going to get into the messaging part of our lives here. So what you know, insight for the weekend should people take away to make a nice impact come Monday morning? You know, Translated, I, I, you have so many good messages to get out there, Susan, but you know, give, give people the cliff notes of what they can really keep at the top of mind to make an impact on Monday. I'm going to start with a, a concept of learning agility. One of the things that has 
really bothered me that I've seen a trend that's coming up is that at resume time, right? We are just trying to hire people. There's now some companies that are recommending that they give their, their potential employees an agility, a learning agility test or ask certain questions to, I feel like it's like spy. When was the last time you read a book? And if they don't say, Oh, last month it was then Well, I haven't, I didn't read a book. They'll say, Oh, don't hire that person. They're not learning agile. I, I almost went through the roof when I heard that because as a lifelong educator and somebody who has worked with countless students, adults and children who may have looked like they didn't know how to learn, but it was simply because they weren't using the right learning tools and strategies and approaches. That's just bogus information. People want to learn. People are born wanting to learn. So going into the weekend, please think about that. Don't ever believe you can't learn. If you had a bad experience, if you're, let's say you're the employee, you had a bad experience in school. No, believe, believe, believe that you absolutely can learn. The chances are that what you were trying to do was learn the way the teacher told you to learn and that didn't work for you. There are many ways out there to be successful. And if you're an employer and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get through to this employee. They're not doing this, they're not doing that. Again, know that one, you've got to understand what drives their motivation and there's ways to figure that out. Very good ways, by the by the way. And there's, um, you, you've got to know how to get them to understand and believe that they can learn. And I'm not talking woo-woo. I'm talking about they can learn. My can't is a four-letter word is real. I actually used to have that when I taught in my classroom, you know? And my threat was, if you say that word can't, I'm going to sing to you. And believe me, they did not say the word can't because they did not want to hear me sing. So you've got to believe, <laughs> you've got to, you got to know this isn't woo-woo. This is, if you have the strategies, if you have the tools, and if you try those tools, you take responsibility for your learning. And as a manager, you take responsibility for your learning and your employees learning. You can be successful. I firmly believe that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, coming from the finance world in many ways, as I have, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results. It's the first mm -mm. thing they'll, any finance professional will talk about with you. And the same reigns true for a lot of things as a person. Just because it happened one way in the past doesn't mean that's the way it's going to happen in the future. And quite frankly, a lot of things don't happen the same way that they did years ago. So almost everything else in our lives. But, you know, you have you know, good people as employees, as employers with shared responsibility, trying to get everybody on the same page with a with a clearly executable process. I like that you say educate to execute, you know, you know a clearly executable process. You will get to the promised land, whether it's you know, more skills attained, more sales earned, more yeah. revenue raised, all of it is, is possible. And I, I love that type of message. So, you know, before we officially wrap everything up here today, I uh, figured we'd give everyone a peek at uh, your, your three answers to your questions. <laughs> so, uh, you know, your favorite TV show character, I thought this was a fun one. Uh, you specifically referenced Dave the Minion because he's mischievous. And I, I love the minions, you know, quite frankly, putting my guest faces on the cartoon characters isn't always easy. But for this one, it actually worked out all right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love the minions. I love them coming from the Despicable Me movies. I love yep. their own movies. I think the whole concept of them is absolutely hilarious. And it's funny when we talk about training employees, because a lot of times employers just look at them. <laughs> Minions. So look at them because they're minions, then you're probably not going to get all that much connection and engagement. They'll just be 
you know, falling out of every everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's an interesting thought, right? Yep, yep. So, you know, going along the lines of the uh, favorite TV show, and, and you actually gave me a TV show and a movie, and you have a good story on the movie. So favorite TV show, uh, you got, if anybody out there has seen The Big Bang Theory, the spinoff Young Sheldon, well, we have uh, Susan loves Young Sheldon, so we have here, her here as Sheldon's sister, and then we have me joining her, which I like. <laughs> myself, Young Sheldon, I'll, I'll, I'll bring out my inner geek flag, there you go. Uh, yeah, and, and Susan's favorite movie, and, and I love some of the discussion here, is uh, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. So there, there's you. You're pretty, pretty, pretty cool as Drew Barrymore back in the day. There you go. But uh, it's, I want you to tell everybody about, you know, because this relates right into your concept of people learning without realizing that they're learning. You know, tell, tell me a little bit about when you used to look at UFOs with your father. So my father was a big fan of learning. He was a self-educated man um, back, you know, in his generation, you know, a lot of kids quit school to work on the farm when they were, you know, after ninth grade. So he was self-educated and he believed in education. And one of the things he loved was science and especially astronomy. So he would pile us into the car. I had a brother and sister. So the three of us into the car at 10 o'clock at night after it got dark in the summer, take us to the top of the one mountain in town, Mount Tom in Holyoke, Massachusetts. And we'd have the telescopes and he would have us looking for UFOs. What he was really doing even though we had an interest in those, what he was really doing was teaching us astronomy. We would look at the planets. We would look at the stars. He'd teach us about them. And I thought, what? And I look back. So I love E.T. because it just reminded me of, of that, that experience with my father and, and his way of teaching us how to learn. And, and that, I think that's awesome. And I have you there as, as little Elliot, which uh, <laughs> is actually a fun segue into your musical answer. Uh, so, so Elliot from E.T., gets to meet your your favorite musical instrument and artist which the musical instrument is the harmonica and the artist is a gentleman named grandpa elliot yes i wasn't able to get your face on there which you know probably save everybody some some uh some, some interesting stories for tomorrow anyway but um grandpa elliot the story that you that you sent me about this guy i thought was awesome like you, you want to talk about that real quick Yes, I met Grandpa Elliot um, maybe 15 years ago when I was doing some training in New Orleans. And he's on the corner of Royal Street and the harmonica, the way he plays it just moved my soul. And and I just fell in love with him. Out of all the street musicians I saw when I was there, I fell in love with him. And then um, a couple of years later, I got to bring my husband down to see him and he wasn't on the corner. And I waited and waited, but we were there for two days. He wasn't there. So finally a store clerk gave me his phone number. I said, do you know if he's coming? Call him up. I called this man and I said, grandpa, I'm, I'm waiting for you on Royal street. Are you coming today? And he said, well, no, I wasn't going to, but if you're there waiting for me, I'll come. And he did. I couldn't believe it. He says, I'll be there in about a half an hour. And there he is, that picture on the screen. He was singing to me. I'm, you can't see me in there, uh, but, but he's singing to me. And I think the most beautiful thing about this story is he was discovered at 65. So this is a man who spent his entire life entertaining on the streets of, of New Orleans. And now he's entertaining all around the world in the band playing for trade, playing for change who they're a, a nonprofit, they, they do a lot of philanthropy. So he has been 
everywhere and it just warms my heart. It's just, he's such a beautiful soul and he's such a talented musician. And honestly, he's, I think he's the favorite on that band. Honestly, when you watch that band, he's the favorite person for everybody. Cool. We got contact information for Susan up here. Um, you know, again, Susan Fitzell and Associates, SusanFitzell.com is her website. She's all over social media. She's a serial everywhere. Network. So definitely, if you can't find her on the internet, you're using the wrong internet. So uh, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to have you on the show today. This is this has been a blast. A great topic, great great topic of conversation that really needs to be concentrated on these days, probably more now than ever. So very happy to have had you on uh, again. Happy uh, President's Weekend, everybody! Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to be talking with my buddy Ryan Harbinson from Clearbridge Branding Agency. Uh, topic of discussion: It's all about the brand, or is it? Uh, he's a phenomenal human being. Tune in next week, uh, Friday, 11 a.m., right after Philanthropy and Focus, right before Jeremiah Fox on the Entrepreneurial Web. Coming up next. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you soon. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 